Hi there, I'm Nate Fisher, and this is Timeline Tapes. It's the podcast made by YouTube's home for world history documentaries, Timeline. On our channel, we have loads of documentaries that explore the secrets of world history, but we know it's not always easy to find the time to watch them all. So we've started turning some of our favorite ones into podcasts, so you can listen to them wherever you might be. In our last episode, we finished our eight-part series called Battles Won and Lost. You can find those on our feed. But this time, we're taking you on a journey to Herculaneum, the sister city of Pompeii, and the home of Mount Vesuvius. For hundreds of years, experts thought the people of Herculaneum had managed to escape their home in the hours leading up to the eruption of Vesuvius, but the discoveries in the volcanic mud shined a new light on this historic town. This is part one of a two-part episode, and the leading voice of this show has been expert Andrew Wallace Hadrill and volcanologist Mark Davies. August the 24th, 79 AD, began just like any other day in the ancient Roman town of Herculaneum. Citizens met in the town square, discussed a little Italian politics, talked business over lavish lunches. Herculaneum was a booming seaside town at the height of the Roman Empire. Trade was good, the future looked bright, but the clock was ticking for the citizens of Herculaneum. They didn't know it, but their beautiful town lay in the shadow of an active volcano, Mount Vesuvius. The inhabitants had absolutely no idea of the destructive power of the volcano. They had no idea of the degree of the danger. In 79 AD, Vesuvius burst spectacularly to life. The town was buried alive. Digging deep into the volcanic debris, archaeologists are slowly uncovering Herculaneum's secrets. Discovering the tunnels of ancient tomb raiders who plundered the site. And from remarkable human remains that lay buried for 2,000 years, they are finally unraveling the mystery of what happened to the people in the town's last few tragic hours. This is the Bay of Naples, the most unstable volcanic region in the Mediterranean. Vesuvius is at its heart. In 79 AD, it famously wiped out the Roman town of Pompeii. But there was a lesser-known victim, Herculaneum. Only now is this lost town being brought back to life. Andrew Wallace Hadrill is head of the Herculaneum Conservation Project. His mission, to preserve the site's treasures and unravel its unique story. Compared to Pompeii, Herculaneum is a tiny little town. It's only about 4,000 inhabitants, which in our terms is only a, a, a big village. But uh, it had all the all the features of a major city. When Vesuvius erupted, it trapped Herculaneum in time. In 79 AD, it was at the center of an empire in its prime. Rome had conquered the entire Mediterranean. Dominions stretched from Britain to Jerusalem. Today, the site offers a unique window into an ancient world. What makes Herculaneum special for me is that you have 
probably a better chance than anywhere else in the ancient world of piecing together an entire ancient society. We can talk about their diet. We have their houses. We can talk about how they lived, how they made their money. We can see so many different aspects in great detail and then put them all together to make a society. Working in areas unseen by the public, Andrew and a team of dedicated scientists and archaeologists are building a picture of life and death in Herculaneum, more detailed than they ever could have done working alone. Together they are overturning long-held beliefs about how people died in the eruption, and discovering the town's demise was spectacular and gruesome, even compared to Pompeii. The way Herculaneum was buried means it is also even better preserved than its more famous neighbour, but worryingly for the team, it's extremely vulnerable. When we first came on site, we noticed that there was decay and collapse virtually everywhere. And we started a site-wide campaign, really running around, propping up stuff that we thought was in a critical condition before it actually fell to pieces. A site that's already been once destroyed by volcanic action is incredibly fragile. Everything that makes Herculaneum precious also makes it fragile. Cocooned for centuries beneath volcanic debris, Herculaneum grows more and more unstable as it's uncovered. After years of neglect, the team race to conserve the site before the town's priceless artefacts are lost forever. There still are frescoes falling off the walls everywhere. Mosaic floors were exploding with little mosaic pebbles spread all over the place. Wooden beams, wooden beams are some of the really rare features of this site. It's extraordinary to see a wooden beam above a door or wooden shutters outside windows, and yet they were crumbling away. Preserving Herculaneum and uncovering its remarkable secrets has never been more pressing, but the potential for discoveries is amazing. Tantalizingly for Andrew, much of the site still lies perfectly preserved underground. Only a fraction of the town has been excavated. Modern Italians have been drawn to the mountain and built a city on top of the rest. Today, 650,000 people choose to live precariously in the shadow of Vesuvius. find settlements in volcanoes for one specific reason, and that's the fact that the soil that volcanoes produce are rich in nutrients, minerals, it retains water like a sponge. So therefore, it stands to reason that when they plant their crops, they get fantastic food from it. And that's why they sit on the side of these volcanoes. Today, miles of vines and greenhouses cover the fertile ground. Tens of thousands of people ignore the risk of living on an active volcano. But the Romans had no idea they were in danger. 
You have to bear in mind that volcanology wasn't a subject in those days. No one knew when they looked at the rock strata that, oh yeah, there's been an eruption in this area. So people didn't know that Vesuvius was actually going to blow. The Romans didn't even know their mountain was a volcano. Most of the time, Vesuvius lies deceptively dormant, but deep below ground, the very fabric of the Earth is on the move. Through a weak spot in the Earth's crust, molten rock called magma seeps into a massive chamber that stretches for miles beneath Herculaneum and Pompeii. In 79 AD, the chamber was full to bursting point. They had no idea of the degree of the danger. They even had warnings of, of the oncoming danger. We now know that the earthquake 17 years before the eruption was a precursor to the eruption. They couldn't read it like that. People were well aware of earthquakes as a source of danger. And traditionally, they saw them as the result of the wrath of Poseidon, the wrath of the sea god, or something like that. By August 79 AD, there were signs Vesuvius was heaving to life. What happens is the magma is trying to get to the surface, it's accommodating the space, and you get fractures opening. But when you really start to know that something's happening is that in front of that magma, there's lots of steam. It's very, very hot, lots of gases. So those would have been venting first. Pressure is building up and building up until eventually it just snaps. Vesuvius erupted around 1 p.m., throwing a broiling, churning column of gas and ash high into the air. Now, this ash column would have been gigantic. I mean, if you were down in Pompeii, even that far back, you wouldn't see over the top of it, you wouldn't see around the sides of it. It's millions and millions of tons of volcanic debris that's thrown up into the air. Within minutes, the eruption column was 10 miles high. The wind carried the deadly cloud east towards Pompeii. The people in Herculaneum would have seen the cloud enveloping their neighbors. This is where you get lots of pumices, these very, very light volcanic rock that get catapulted way up into the air, into the stratosphere. These days, we would describe it as a nuclear mushroom cloud, because that's exactly what it's like. Perhaps the most terrifying thing of being in Herculaneum was that you could see the eruption without being covered by it. So you could see the column rising above the volcano, but it didn't go dark in Herculaneum. In Pompeii, day turned to night as the town was swallowed by black volcanic cloud. Then pumice stones started to fall on the rooftops. People fled or hid inside, thinking the storm would pass. There is evidence all around the town of the panic and confusion of this moment. Around five o'clock in the afternoon, rooftops started to collapse under the weight of the pumice stones. It is impossible to imagine the terror in Pompeii as their town was slowly entombed. They could do nothing as whole villages were engulfed by deadly flows of lava. This lava is not going to kill anyone instantly. It moves incredibly slowly, around about 100 meters per hour. So that means that 
if you take a football pitch length, it'll take over an hour to get to the end of it. So you can outwalk it, you can outrun it, it's not a problem. Vesuvius captivated one minute, but could kill the next. In 1944, the volcano could have become more explosive at any moment. The people knew they were vulnerable. Stunned by their own powerlessness, they made holy offerings and prayed for their survival. Their ancestors probably did the same. But the people in 1944 were far more fortunate. In 79 AD, the force unleashed by the volcano was 50 times more powerful, equivalent to hundreds of Hiroshima bombs. After hurling pumice on Pompeii for 12 hours, the ancient eruption was about to enter a new, even deadlier phase. Around the bay in Herculaneum, people were fleeing for their lives. But time was running out. Their town would not make it through the night. Around midnight, Vesuvius's gigantic eruption column collapsed. At the speed of a hurricane, molten rock, mud and gas known as pyroclastic flow hurtled straight towards Herculaneum. Pyroclastic flows are the most violent events in volcanology. So quick and deadly, they've only recently been filmed. On the Caribbean island of Montserrat in the 1990s, clouds of poisonous superheated gas and ash surged down the volcano. When the dust settled, it revealed a scene of utter ruin. Everything in its path was buried. In 79 AD, a succession of pyroclastic flows covered Herculaneum. By around 7 or 8 a.m., cooler flows finally reached as far as Pompeii. But Herculaneum was buried deepest, in some parts to the depth of a four-story building. The town is eventually buried to the depth of 70, 80 feet, but that takes probably 12 to 24 hours to achieve. Pyroclastic surges and flows come down one after another, and each adds its own little bit. They gather strength, they produce more and more material, denser material, as time passes. And in fact, long after the city has been destroyed, it's still being filled up and filled up. So much material was deposited on the town, its coastline was pushed back dramatically. Seaside villas are now hundreds of yards inland. Pyroclastic flows were the death of Herculaneum, but they also spectacularly preserved the town, just as it was on August the 24th, 79 AD. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to Timeline Tapes, where we're taking a walk through the ancient buildings of Herculaneum. Today, it's possible to walk through the exquisite public baths, but for centuries, no one knew they were here. The suburban baths are probably the most beautiful surviving baths from the Roman world. They're not as big as the great big baths in Rome, but they're much better preserved. You can be in a room that is ancient from the floor, through the walls to the ceiling. You're in a complete ancient environment. On a normal day, the public baths would have been packed. Citizens came here to wash and swim. Businessmen came to entertain clients. Politicians to do deals. but no bodies were ever found here. One of the great surprises about Herculaneum was always the great rarity of skeletons at the main level where the houses are. There was no pumice fall, as there was in Pompeii, which sent people into a panic, sent them scattering in all directions, trying to shelter. The absence of bodies in Herculaneum led to an assumption that everyone had managed to get away in the hours before suffocating pyroclastic flows choked every doorway. The burial was so violent and total, the Romans thought the town was beyond all hope. Very interestingly, there was no attempt in antiquity to build again either Herculaneum or Pompeii. And I think that there was nothing there were no foundations left on which to build. There was no point in going back. And I think there must also have been a sense of, of religious horror, a sense that this was a graveyard they shouldn't touch. 2,000 years later, thousands of bodies have been found in the graveyard that is Pompeii. This is probably the largest single reason why Pompeii has caught the world's imagination. Tourists are captivated by the ancient tragedy. Mesmerized by the citizens' gruesome fate. The figures they visit seem to have known they were about to die. But these are more than just skeletons. They are death masks, frozen in time. In the 1860s, archaeologist Giuseppe Fiorelli found strange voids in Pompeii's ash. He poured plaster of Paris into the holes and the world marveled at the contorted human forms he revealed. Corpses had rotted away, but their shapes remained. In 
Trapped in their homes, most of these people suffocated horribly in poisonous gas and ash. Their terrible deaths have made Pompeii and its citizens world famous, eclipsing the memory of their neighbors across the bay in Herculaneum. Herculaneum was, of course, not forgotten at the time. Everyone remembered the loss of two cities as a terrifying event. But then in the Middle Ages, it was certainly forgotten. And by the time you reach the 18th century, people were aware that this was the legend of the place, but they did not have a clear idea of exactly which city was where. Herculaneum became a mythical, landlocked city of Atlantis. But it was not lost forever. In time, it would reveal its secrets. Today, archaeologists search carefully for traces of Roman life beneath towering walls of pyroclastic flow. It's a massive undertaking. The excavations began in earnest in the early 20th century, and almost a hundred years later, they're still making new discoveries. No one knows if any bodies still lie buried behind these walls. But almost everywhere they have explored, archaeologists have discovered a strange labyrinth of tunnels. It seemed ancient tomb raiders had got there first. When they excavated in the 1930s, the whole site was covered with this stuff. There's 30 metres of solid rock, or, or not so much solid as crumbly. You can see that it, it, it comes away in my hands. And when they first explored it in the 18th century, they did it by cutting tunnels. And what we're seeing here is very tantalisingly the edges of tunnels cut in the 18th century. Um, and here you can see they got this far and then they stopped and they've drawn a blank. At the beginning of the 18th century, a farmer had stumbled across Herculaneum when digging a well. Soon after, the rulers of southern Italy descended on the site. Known as the Bourbons, they were a centuries-old European dynasty. The Bourbon king of Naples ordered hordes of men underground to search for artefacts to decorate his palace. Many died by rockfall and poisonous gas in his quest for exquisite art. You can just imagine how awful it was to excavate in these conditions in the 18th century. You can see here there's a, there's a little uh, hole that they've cut to, to prop up a lamp. And the only illumination they've got is these lamps and these dark tunnels going, going for yards and yards and yards, hundreds of yards under the site. And so they get to this point, they've cut the ceiling quite nicely, and suddenly it comes to a stop there. And what happens at this point? They go off to the right and it reaches a blank there. And then it also turns to the left and it reaches another blank. And now they've been going for maybe 20, 30 yards without hitting a wall. And so they say, obviously, there's nothing here. We've reached the edge of the site. We don't know where the city finished. 
From the Bourbons to today, only a fraction of Herculaneum has been uncovered. For Andrew and the team, the tunnels offer a tantalizing glimpse of a Roman world beneath a sprawling modern town. That's all from this week's episode of Timeline Tapes. Tune in next week for part two of this mesmerizing story. But if you can't wait and want to see more, you can head over to our YouTube channel, where you can find countless other world history documentaries. If you want to contact Timeline Tapes, you can email us at timeline at little.studios.com, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Those are both at TimelineWH. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to, give us a five-star rating and write a review as well. I've been Nate Fisher. This has been Timeline Tapes. Let's go down in history together.